Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I just drank a soda. Just giving you a heads up. I don't know what's going to come out of me. You know that feeling where you're like, that was refreshing. I just drank that soda really fast. And then all of a sudden, the entire air content of the soda comes out mid-sentence. But I'll, I'll cut it out. I'll, that was a quiet one. I think we can live with that. I don't know, folks. I do know that uh, Rosebud Baker is on the show. She's a comic. Uh, she opened for me a couple years ago in Toronto. I, I remembered her because she's got a special out, and the, the, the name came up. And I'm like, how do I know her? Uh, well, she just released a special. It's on Comedy Central. And uh, she's in this new upcoming Hulu series with Amy Schumer. And she's, you know, she's a recovery person. She's got the uh, the recovery tale. But she's also the granddaughter of James Baker III. Satan. I can't tell you, during the first Bush presidency, first president, the, the dad, how obsessed I was with James Baker III. Chief of Staff. George H.W. Bush, he was the chief of staff for Reagan. He had cabinet positions under Ford and Reagan, Bush, all of them. He also ran the 2000 presidential recount for the Republicans. We all know how that went. But I was obsessed with this guy and the Carlisle group and, you know, the big global conspiracy. That was before conspiracies were hot and righty. They were kind of uh, off the grid and lefty. But James Baker held a prominent position as one of the major Satans. And I think arguably he was still alive. So I imagine I say something to her about that, about being the granddaughter of Satan. Now, what if her family's listening to this? Her dad or maybe James? I'm sorry, man. You managed the world. You didn't do a great job. Scary, powerful person. Please don't have me killed. Please, all right? I'm just, it's back in the day, right? It's back in the day. So my birthday was good. I had a nice day. A lot of people called to wish me a happy birthday. Um, I got, did I get presents? I got a couple of presents. I don't need to talk about it. My present to myself came, my Stratocaster, which is great. 
I played at the end of this show. I got to get my, wrap my, I got big, meaty fingers. My dumb, meaty fingers on that little neck. Tricky, but it's doable. I'm getting the hang of it. 58 years old. I keep thinking about that. 58. Both my parents are still alive. And I'm 58. They had me when they were children. I'm almost 60. I got to get through the 50s. I got a superstition about it. I got to get through my 50s. So listen, Rosebud Baker, her Comedy Central stand-up special Whiskey Fists can be seen in full on Comedy Central's YouTube channel. She also hosts uh, two podcasts, Devil's Advocate and Find Your Beach, which you can get wherever you get podcasts. And I remember when I met her, the night she was opening for me, I thought she was pretty tough. Like I decided like she's hard somehow. She's tough. Something, you know. And then I talked to her. I don't, I don't know if that's true. She's, it's a, she's got a dark sensibility, which, you know, I appreciate. And I think I mentioned uh, enough that uh, she's the granddaughter of Satan. James Baker III. Yeah. Yeah, imagine that. But uh, I enjoy talking to her. This is me talking to Rosebud Baker. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Virginia. Virginia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're not Texan. Nova. Nova, Virginia? Yeah. Northern where, where, Virginia. Is, oh, Northern So, like, Virginia. I went to high school, like, right next to Langley. Oh, really? Yeah. So you were close to D.C.? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, but like, I have to get it out, out, get out ahead of this mm-hmm. that, uh, your grandfather, yeah, James Baker, right, the third, or James uh, Baker, he's the third, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was, I, when I was more conspiratorially minded, mm-hmm. uh, we I all was, were, we all had a phase, yeah. When I was, <laughs> and it was when Bush senior was in office, I was, I was sure that your grandfather was the antichrist, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, there's been times when I've still been sure that my grandfather's the Antichrist and that he passed it on to me. Oh, really? Like, there's like a... But you're like a more progressive Antichrist. Yeah, I guess so. I don't even know what I am now. No? I don't know. I feel... I just like, he was like one, he's a monumental kind of like, by the time he was with George Bush Sr., like he ran the world. Yeah. 
And he was with Nixon and or no, he was with he was Ford with Reagan. and Reagan. Reagan, yeah. just Reagan and uh, and Bush. I don't, oh really? He didn't. He wasn't. Uh, he might have been. I, he might have been okay. involved with Ford, but as far as I know, he never touched the White House until Reagan. Oh really? That's what I thought. Now, we, well, well I, mean, I can check, but it's. I believe you. I, but you I, should I, check. All right, I feel. Don't like, believe me. Like I, you should I do check. Feel like he was like lieutenant, uh, something. Uh, with Ford, like commerce. By the way, this is a very common occurrence where somebody mm. will bring up my grandfather and then prove to me that they know him better than I do. I don't know him. <laughs> I, I, I just remember, you know, thinking this is, he was. This uh, is very common. <laughs> but now, wait, when you were growing up, so he was just grandpa or what? Yeah, he was just my grandpa. Um, I mean, I I knew that he was very important. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Like, I got that sense just from the way that my uncles acted around him. Yeah. And now, the way that, well, so how was he your grandfather? What? Let's see. Let's see. What, he's wait. my dad's dad. Uh, he's your dad's dad. Yeah. Pres- okay. United United States Under Secretary of Commerce in the Ford administration. Oh shit. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. So your dad's dad is that guy. Yeah. My dad is James Baker the fourth. What's your dad do? My dad's a lawyer, like uh-huh. a corporate lawyer. He's yeah. retired now. He just retired. And you have like a, a million sisters. I do. I have. Uh, four sisters, three that are surviving. I have one sister that passed away. Right. Like young. Yeah. Seven. Seven? Yeah. Oh, so you didn't know her? Mm. I didn't I didn't know her, no. <laughs> I mean, it, when you break it down, <laughs> I never I never really knew her. You didn't know whether she liked kittens or anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, she how was- How old were you? I was 17. When it happened? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. So yeah. you knew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so- that's the most appropriate response I've ever gotten what? because it's not hard to die. It's yeah. so much harder to watch someone die yeah. than it is to actually die. Yeah. Most people go, oh, she she died? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I'm like, well, she's fine. Right. No, I-, I You know yeah. what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've experienced that, that recently. Death kind of, it, it, it definitely fucks your head up. Yeah. You know, when you see it happen. Yeah. But- so you were, but I didn't know by watching the special that you were already like a teenager. So you knew yeah. the, the baby. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like there. I mean, it happened at a graduation party for my high school graduation. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, how did you become a comic? I'm like, I just, and then I just have to tell them like the background. So, you, so the party's going on and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, oh, but no. here's the thing. I had left- to go to a different party mm. because I thought it was a better party. And frankly, it was because nobody died. But, yeah. like, <laughs> right. but like I was there and all of a sudden I heard on the phone that like my sister, something had happened to my sister. And then all of a sudden my other sisters were getting dropped off with me. And then I was like, oh, something really bad happened. Yeah. It's like that gut feeling. You yeah. Get, you know, yeah. when something is uh, very wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just ugh. I. So, how? What is the age difference? How, what's the spread on the sisters? So I'm the oldest. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then uh, my younger sister is, uh, I guess she's two years younger than me. Right. Not quite, yeah. but almost two years younger. Yeah. Then six years yeah. younger, and then ten years younger. Right. So she was a twin. Oh. Um, oh my god. My sister who passed away, she she had a twin. Uh, identical. Uh, fraternal. Uh huh. Well, so, that must have been so. That must have destroyed the family. Yeah, I mean, it happened in tandem with my parents getting separated and then divorced, and then because of that. No, they were separated first, 
and then she died and then um my dad and my mom just i think my dad brought his new girlfriend to the funeral yeah is what happened yeah or she was there and we didn't know about her yeah but then i found out that she was at the funeral yeah so that was how i found out that my dad was now seeing someone new oh my god and it was like this whole that's I was fucking... just like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, So did you grow up in a normal way? Were, you, were I mean, yeah. were these good people? I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say normal. I would say typical. You typical know? what? Like typical. I don't really think that anybody grows up in a normal way. Well, I mean, I, but, granted. And, and also your grandfather at the time, did you go to the White House and shit? Oh, yeah. So that part was not typical. But like, I mean, going to like hunt Easter eggs at the White House was not typical. But in my child mind, I was just going to like where my granddad worked. I didn't. No, right. I wasn't like impressed with any of it or I didn't see it as like this is status was something that I never fully grasped. But did you like hang out with the Bush grandkids? Yeah. So you knew like Mm -hmm. all of them. Yeah. And when they would come over, they would come over with like. Uh, security to your house to my house and yeah. so they would have like this the secret service outside of my house right if if hw or the kids one of the kids came mm-hmm. i don't know what the age difference is but they're all older yeah 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 so that was part of your life yeah that was dealing just... with the 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 new world order yeah it was just part of my life and it was and it was so normal in the way that it was all that I had, it was all that I knew. Right, but yeah, I mean, but you, did you, you didn't go to public school. Right? I did. You did. I'm so you must have the only one. Shit. I'm the only one who went to public school. Why um, did you? Were you just a disaster? Or? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, in school I was. In school I was a disaster. Yeah. But I wasn't like. Um, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't a good student. I never liked school, and. Uh, I don't know why I was the one that went to public school because I probably could have used a private school education. Yeah. Like I could have really used the, the attention. Right. But I just didn't. And I just, they basically found a program for me where I got to go practice acting for half the day and then go to school, regular yeah. school for the other half. Yeah. So I just did that. I just went to, I went to school uh, for creative stuff and then yeah. I went to normal school. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And that was like my day. What, do, what was the creative stuff? It was just acting. I would just go. So there was practice. a separate school. Yeah, it was this weird. It was this arts program that yeah. Fairfax County ha- was doing. Yeah. And for students that were really particularly interested in the arts, we would go and and practice whatever uh, craft we wanted to. And you for, were acting for half the day. Yeah. And then we would go. Well, that's like, nice. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I. I truly, to this day, still lack any formal education, like knowledge, because none of it, I none of it got in. <laughs> like, like it just didn't like, hit uh-oh. any place in my brain that where it was like, okay, it'll stick. Government history, I, yeah, all of it, yeah, math, Ma- math. I'm absolutely, Lost. I'm, I'm, I'm disabled sure, when it comes I, to that. I, I can divide and. Uh, Add and subtract and and multiply, but when it, when it comes down to fractions or decimals, no. So see, that's the fancy letters. Stuff. You're no saying letters. the hard stuff is hard for you. <laughs> I'm talking about what? I'm talking about when I get a check mm. and I have to figure out the tip. I have to show it to someone else, and I have to like count on my fingers three times to figure out what. Like, Don't, but there's a trick with the tip in terms y- of. I know. Yeah. I can't remember it. 
I can't. It's been taught to me a million times. I can't. Yeah. It doesn't go in. Like when I read numbers, yeah. anything having to do with numbers, like taxes. I mean, I'm doomed to if I ever make enough money to like buy a house, I'm gonna go broke. Yeah. Because it's I don't get it. Like. Well, you gotta you gotta hire somebody. To yeah. Do the. Yeah, the numbers for you. I know, but the trust issues is the problem. There. Well, yeah, but eventually <laughs> you're going to have to trust somebody. I know. Yeah. I know. But <laughs> so you were acting in high school, but like, are you a disaster? Because I mean, I watched the special. It seems to me at some point you became a, a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I was really uh, not good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to be I didn't, rude. No, I didn't stick out. I didn't like, I wasn't able to blend into other people's like agenda in in a way that you have to in order to survive in public school like like give me an example you were a complete outlier wait now first of all tell me i met you because you opened for me in toronto yeah but was that how did that happen was it part of the festival that was like uh yeah why were we both there i think it was the festival it was like that that toronto just for last right Right. Yeah, okay. JFL 42. That's right. what it's called. But not Montreal. And you were around and I was in mm-hmm. and you came in through there. And I was like, where the fuck was this? How? I didn't know you. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember. remember thinking you were great. And I was like, where did you come from? Where'd, how'd that happen? But all right, back to not fitting in. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, there wasn't really a group for me, you yeah. know? Like, so you had no friends? No. I mean, I had friends, yeah. but they were all just like, we were potheads. Sure. And our whole thing was like, we don't care about everybody else. We're cooler than them because we don't care. Yeah. Just sort of that like apathy yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, I tried, when I first got into high school, I was part of the cheerleading squad. Really? Yeah, because so I was like- So you're a fallen cheerleader? Yeah, I was uh, benched. I was benched, benched from the cheerleading For squad. what? I made a joke that was like not good and somebody, I, I don't even remember what the joke was, but you it was, do. it was, no, I really don't. All I right, really don't right. remember the Wait, joke. What, how was it, in what area was it not good? It was, it, it <laughs> how was, was it insensitive? In the, in the, uh, in the Jewish area. Oh, I was the, like this. The anti-Semitic area. It was area. the anti-Semitic area, right? <laughs> okay. And I made this joke at sure. one of the captains of the cheerleading squad. Who was Jewish. Who was Jewish. All right. And uh, essentially I was benched <laughs> for like. A couple of games, which hmm. obviously didn't make any difference. Because but did that make you they... uh, hate the Jews more, or <laughs> did you, did you, <laughs> or did you learn your lesson about being anti-Semitic? No, I learned my lesson. Okay. They're very powerful people. <laughs> we own the world. We run it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they can just take it away. Your dad was, your grandfather was working for the big Jews. Yeah, he was like, yeah. don't fuck with the Jews. Yeah, the Zionist uh, occupied government. <laughs> yep. And I remember getting getting benched and being like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Like realizing that and that I never wanted to do it in the first place. It was one of those things where my whole life, when I don't want to do something, I'll yeah. find a way to fuck, fuck it up, it up. Yeah. so I don't have to. I'm sort of the same way. Like, it, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good thing. I know. I mean, I think it is because it's well, like, it's, it's self protective, but there's easier ways to do it. Yeah, you could do it with making less of a mess by just going, "Hey, I don't want to do this," right? As opposed to be in the middle of it and go, "Like, I'm going to burn this down," right? And it's yeah. also like having to take a moment before I say yes to something to go, "Do I really want to do this?" Oh yeah, or is this something I feel for no reason like I have to do? Well, it's not for no reason because, like, I mean, I was the same way as you and when I was in high school, and that I, you know, I I knew everybody and I could move through groups, but 
the reason you you do it is because you want to be part of things right like it's impulsive to be like you know oh somebody wants me yeah so, okay i'll do it right and then you're like oh fuck this yeah. is terrible yeah yeah it's i've done that with relationships over and over again yeah for me it's like a it's like a a feeling of obligation that the world might fall apart if i don't say yes to this you know what i mean your it's, world it's yeah it's no theirs it's like i think i'm god oh, 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 on oh. some level where i'm like oh if yeah. i don't appease this person everything in there like it could just You're ruin their day yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and it's so self-centered and huh. it's such bullshit yeah and uh i'm trying to get better at it but like you know i, I recently got married and How's that that's going? been that's another thing where it's like i'm not a good wife in that i i like i love my husband but mm. i don't love the obligation like, I don't think oblig like yeah. obligation has nothing to do with love, like but it has whole, everything uh, to do with marriage. You don't, you don't like the whole wife part. You love your husband, but the wife part. You're not. It's listen, when we're arguing and he brings up, he's I know he's losing the argument when he goes, you're my wife. Mm. And I'm like, if you were winning this argument, you wouldn't you would not bring our marriage. You wouldn't into claim this. ownership. Yeah. You wouldn't do this. Th this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm like. I know that I like I married you because I love you mm. and but I'm still my own person mm. and you're your own person. And if we're going to have an argument, at least come to me trying to make me see your side without going. But I own you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like, yeah. So it's a it's a challenge for me. It uh, is like. A, but what is that, though? It's, it's not really narcissism and it's not it's selfish, but it's more of a the fuck is it? You, you preemptively feel guilty. It's a God complex, I think. Is it? At, at its I core, really? I think it is. Yeah, because it's- so you think you have that much impact? For me, when if I think about why I do that, it's just like I automatically assume that they're going to be compromised in some way. Not that I you know, I, am, I play that big a part a role in their life, but the rejection, it's a projection right. of what the rejection will feel like if I felt it. Okay. So that's, I feel like, isn't that abandonment? Isn't that an abandonment? issue yeah it's some sort of boundary codependency kind of thing because like behaviors you can have two people doing the same behavior you don't want to disappoint people right but that's it's like so it's like what why yeah. do you think that you have that much power over someone's i think it's a projection you yeah it must be abandonment on your side i i don't care if they abandon me if they abandon no, but me i, I mean, feel you better must have feelings about you know some sort of hurt feelings about something it's no? more of like a, uh, it's like if I don't say yes to what this person needs, yeah. they're going to fall apart. So it's, and then I'm going to feel guilty later right? because I ruined their life. It's all at its core. It's all being raised whole... by children yeah. who yeah. didn't know how to. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I, I, I had that same experience. Your parents were children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they the were worst, yeah. children. Yeah. I. I say about my parents, I say that I, they don't really function as parents. They're just these people I grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that way about family yeah. in general. I in just, general? Some people have good parents. Sure. I mean, they say they do. But the, I never but, believe them. But, but I'm it, always just like, you are fucked. No, I know. <laughs> no, but I, I believe that some people have at least grounded people. Well, you know what I mean? That there are parents that were selfless enough and yeah. grown up enough to understand the obligation of yeah. parenting. Right. You know, I yeah, and and that enables people to have some better sense of self 
than I do. Yeah. You know. But I feel like if anyone fully understood the obligation of parenting fully, they yeah. would never have kids. Well, yeah, but that that's like a, neither. That's another that. that's another argument. You're right. <laughs> you, you know. We're getting into No, no, no. I'm just saying that like I don't have them and yeah. I don't feel bad about not having them. Yeah. And I don't think about it's not on principle. Yeah. I'm not like, you know, like my parents did this or that, so I'm never going to have kids. Right. I'm just selfish and uh panicky. Yeah. And full of dread. And I'm like, I don't, you know, and, and I'm fine with that on my own, but I don't need to. And people ask me, like, don't you ever get lonely? I'm like, I do, but I never think, like, a kid would, you know. I think that's the opposite of selfish, Mark. Oh, I think that's like. I'm helping the world? Yeah. I think you <laughs> oh, acknowledging all of that and going, I'm not going to do that to someone. Yeah. Is the most selfless thing. And I feel like kids or people that don't have kids, they get called selfish all the time. But every person I know with kids, it's like the world revolves around their life. Like it's I don't. And also it's like they're not. It's I don't know, man. You know, like I'm, I don't begrudge anybody kids and I don't have anything against kids. Yeah. But, you know, it is a choice. Yeah. And, and for some reason, a lot of people just think like automatically we're going to have them. Right. It's like you don't have them. Just part of the life script. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't. And I understand it's part of the animal script, but we're not dogs. Right. We're not running, just sniffing and fucking. Right. You know, so. <laughs> Most can, of us. Yeah. <laughs> On some nights are different. Yeah, you know. You know yeah, sometimes yeah, it's a Friday. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so you're growing, you're growing up in, in that, but, how, but you, did you enjoy the acting? I loved it. Yeah, I did, loved did it. Did you do it seriously for a while? I did. What? I, I. Since I was a kid, I used to yeah. perform. I would put these big plays up all over the neighborhood and like big productions. Yeah. I'm talking like casts of like 15 kids. Oh, yeah. Full and I stage would, production. I'd have like a sibling that I didn't like selling tickets. Yeah. And, um, and I just like would make shows and I loved doing that. Yeah. That was like something that I knew I was good at where I stood out in a way that impressed people. And that was really what. I grew up around is like, what can you do to impress us? Yeah. Um, oh, really? It, it was a very achievement based place. And, and that comes down through your dad? I think it comes down through my dad, but it's also no, Northern Virginia is like the highest concentration of wealth in the country. Well, I mean, what's your what'd your mom do? Um, she was an artist. She was a painter. Oh, yeah. Good. Abstract. She's, real. Realistic. Realistic. realistic yeah. yeah. Um, oil painter. Mm -hmm. She does landscapes. She's, still. Now she's like killing it. Yeah. She's an incredible painter. Oh yeah. And she uh, she lives in Maine. She and my dad are divorced. She like bought a house in Maine in Thomaston on the St. George. Yeah. And just paints and is like happy. So good. I mean, I it's so great to see her doing it because she just did a children's book. Oh like, wow. She's illustrating now, and uh, but she stopped painting for my whole childhood. Like she stopped. She was a painter when she met your dad. Yeah. She had her own business. She was painting. She lived mm. in New York. And oh, yeah. um, and she would do these big murals in businesses oh, wow. around New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I then... think she tried to keep it up through about half of her pregnancy with me and then um, stopped for a little while and then went back to it. But then eventually, like, I remember when the twins were born, all of a sudden her paintings were all in the attic. Mm. And it was like the saddest thing yeah. to see as a kid who was creative because yeah. I just thought like, oh, I guess that's not something that you do. That's not something that you get can do. Right, right, right. Or it's get not, to it's do. Not, it's not uh, practical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And your old man was just what? He was like. He was, uh, he was just 
Oh, he's like an emotional Fort Knox. Oh, really? Yeah. Shut down. Real shut down, yeah. Huh. Very, um, and I I recently started reading more about my granddad to try to understand my dad more. <laughs> you, do you talk, can you call your granddad? Yeah, but he wouldn't give me the answers. You know what I mean? I have to read a book to like get Is the answers. Is he Texan? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he and my dad. He and my dad and my mom are all from Texas. Okay. And I read uh, Peter Baker's book, The Man Who Ran Washington. I started reading that book. About your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. To try to get to know my grandfather. How'd that go? Um, honestly, it was really, it, it opened up a lot. Oh, yeah? I was like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I, I started to see letters that my grandfather's father would send to him. Captain Baker, uh-huh. right? So he would send him these letters at the Hill School, yeah, which is where my grandfather went to school and where my two sisters went to school after me. Yeah, but these letters were so—I mean, they looked like the letters, the emails that my dad would send to me. You know, they—they yeah. they were like, "You've been a very satisfactory son," huh. and obviously, I got an improved version of what that was. But yeah. it was—it was. It was I would get emails that said like, um, it would be all business, mm. and then it would be like, love you, and then right underneath that, there would be a confidentiality notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it always made me laugh. It was like, I love you, don't tell anybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, so it was all very, uh, so a little detached. A little detached. But, but encouraging. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that. Mm. I wouldn't say encouraging. Uh it was always like I would say something I wanted to do and they would go, what about this instead? Oh, so, right. So it was always like you weren't good enough. It, that's that's how I internalized it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't think that they were ever intentionally sending me that message. And I think that if they knew how the message was being received, they probably, I might be giving them too much credit here, but they probably would have changed the way they talked to me. Yeah. But I, I I like to think of it that way so that I'm, I'm not living in resentment throughout Forever. my adult right. life. You know? Well, did your dad get along with his dad? Um, <laughs> I think he had the similar relationship. Mm. You know, I think yeah. he had a relationship with his dad that was like, I'm going to try to impress you because that's the way that I can get attention from you. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's so funny because my dad, when I was working, trying to be an actress, he would send me like news articles during times oh, yeah. when I was not speaking to him. He would send me these news articles yeah. that were just like, it was like Tina Fey or, um, right, look you at know, the people Sarah that Silverman. Are doing things. Yeah. And he would go, he would go, you know, you're funny. You should really be a comic. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I was, that was the most insulting thing you could have said to me oh, my. at the time. So, Wait, like, so this is after, did you go to college? Yeah. Oh, so it's at some point you learned something, no? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I learned like- Just not math. Yeah, just not math. I mean, I once I was sent to Emerson, I Oh, you I went learned, to Emerson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- well, So it's, you're, that's, an, that's like the college version of the acting program that you were- Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't like, right. Especially then, too, because Emerson now, 
I think is a better college than like I'll say Emerson and people go, oh, Emerson. And they know it. Well, back then it was just that one building down on Beacon Street. You know, yeah. like, and then they I think there's another one down off the Commons. Like it's bigger operation yeah. now. And there's might be even one in here. Right. So that started to happen while I was there. Oh, when I was there, it was just that one place. Yeah. Down just down on the, Beacon Street. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. the and then there was the little building. Yeah. Which was but on like, the other side of the green. Right. But not far. Yeah. Just right across the Commons. And there was like a oh, I guy. Don't know if there was that building then, like for when I, the way I remember it, it doesn't matter. Like because I knew people that went there, like Dave Cross and people. But I'm yeah. 57. Yeah. And it definitely was not the one at the Commons was not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it really blew up while I, I saw it blow up right after I left, but it was starting the process. What did you it. study there? Did, who was teaching? Were there old comics teaching? No, there was no. I mean, there I was no that, like, comedy program. It was all just like this—the students kind of doing comedy together. Oh, because like there were definitely stand-ups who taught there at times mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. What was the curriculum like? You were just doing acting. I was just doing acting. I was in the BFA program. I did acting, and I was a dancer. So I did dance. You do dance? Yeah. Do you, oh, imagine how big you could be on TikTok. I know. Do you ever look at that lady who does the dancing? I, I mean, what do you mean? All the ladies? Like the... the <laughs> For some reason, I've walked... And the dads and the kids. I've, no, I've the... walked into one lady <laughs> on TikTok who, who seems to be the one of the uh, the the original TikTok dancers. Really? Kelodactyl. Okay. The blonde lady. Catchy. No, I don't know what she does. I'm not, I'm not even on TikTok. Am I allowed to vape I see, in here if yeah, it's go nicotine? Ahead. Okay. I don't care. Um, and I, I don't like I don't know why, but like she uh like I'll watch her little dances <laughs> on Instagram and I'll be like, that was fun. You know, I think about that. I think about like how She's a blonde lady. If I had just I have no idea who she is. There's there's I'll no way. And I don't use TikTok because I, I don't either. I don't know what it is. It's for It's for children, right? Twelve year olds. Yeah, something. I was talking to do you know Cypher Sounds? Cypher Sounds? Yeah. No, what's that? He's he's a he's a DJ and a comic. Yeah. That he's he's at the cellar in New York a lot. And he was I was ran into him on the steps of the VU. And he goes, I'm uh I go, what's the matter? He goes, I'm in TikTok jail. Oh. And I was like, You're forty. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. How is this happening? Yeah. Anyway. How how was it happening? I he's I don't know. I mean, he's like, this is the problem with like my generation specifically, it's like we don't, we cannot accept that we're like getting older. I think, I think your you? generation a little wrong? bit too. You don't have to answer me. No, I can answer. It's 36. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, for a while I was like, I'm not going to say how old I am. Yeah. And then I just thought, fuck that. I can't deal with it anymore. Like yeah. I can't deal with, I've lied to so many people about my age yeah. and it's like, I'm just done. Yeah. No. Um, well, I mean, well, that's, I don't know what generation that is. What are you considered? Um, millennial. You're a millennial. Older millennial, yeah. 36. 36. Yeah. So how much acting and dancing did you do professionally? Um, I mean, basically none. Mm. I, I would, I tried, yeah. you know, I mean, I came to New York and I wanted to be an actor and I studied at William Esper studio and I oh, just- how'd that go? It was good. It was, I think it was the reason I, I, I started there- like right when he's I he's one of the big guys. Yeah, he was, and he recently passed away. Yeah, R.I.P. Um, yeah. He is, uh, he's fantastic. He was a great teacher, and we used to butt heads a lot. But I liked that about him. He Over used to, what? Well, he would he would be really supportive of people that I thought were shitty, and I and so yeah. I would <laughs> I was an asshole, right. and you know I was re, I was like very newly sober, and I remember 
just being like, why does why are you saying that that was good? I remember asking, like, what is it about that that was good? Into the class. Well, he was like... With the person sitting right there. Yeah, he was like, do you... Does anybody have anything to say? And I remember being like, yeah, I don't... Why are you saying that that's done? Like, because he gave a couple notes and he was like, does anybody else want to say anything? And I was like, yeah, well, I don't don't understand why you said that's... Yeah. Like, do you just think he's not salvageable? Like, I remember... Oh, right, right. You can't help that guy anymore? Yeah, yeah. It's a pity thing? Yeah, I was like, because you were really fucking mean to me when I did... When I went up... And, you know, you made me sing. That's humiliating Mm. Like (laughs) to get into a role. Yeah. And you're just letting this guy do off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember him just like standing up and being like, you shut your fucking mouth. Really? (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yeah. And he was right. Like, that was not I should not have said that. You stayed in the class. I did stay in the class. Yeah. I was in one of those type of classes where you have the. The, the sort of cult figure teacher and everyone just sitting around watching everyone else work. Yeah. And it's just, it's brutal. And, you know, and it's tedious. And at some point, like, it's interesting. That, like, at some point you're like, I've had enough of this guy. Yeah. Talking. Right. Yeah, I think I just got, I think I just got fed up because I was like, I I did have that level of respect for him. Yeah. But I also, I've always, I haven't ever been really much of a joiner. Yeah. And when I see a lot of people jump on board with something, I just don't I don't like I want to challenge that person's expectations that yeah. everyone is going to fall right on the same, you know, party line. Yeah, no, I I get it. I I I I understand if so many people like it, how could it be good? Exactly. Know? And what about me? Right. <laughs> yeah, how am I going to stand out? <laughs> yeah. How come this isn't about me? Right. What did that person do? <laughs> Wait, how old were you when you got sober? I was 23 oh, at so the time. You were in New York like what, two years? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. hit the wall? Yeah. How bad? It was bad. It was like um, blacking out. Um, I used to black out and like run at the edge of my roof trying to kill myself and then would come out of the blackout. I, well, this- How do you know that that's what you did? Because I would come out of this. This happened one time. Okay. I, this wasn't was like an every night occasion, yeah, but- yeah, yeah. Um, I came out of this blackout and I thought someone was pushing me off the roof. And then I realized that I, I, I pushed back, oh, you, you know, you were fighting yourself. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I, I, you were trying I to was push Ace Ventura. I was, or I was a liar, liar, you know, yeah, that yeah. scene where he's yeah. like, I'm kicking my own ass. Right. <laughs> but I turned around and my ex was like across the roof, like in tears. Cause he thought that I was like, he was just screaming, you know, like terrified. Mm. And I remember, turning around and seeing him do that and i it never settled in my mind oh you were trying to kill yourself i just went to why the fuck are you crying like i i went into like that place where i was like i was drinking you fucking loser like and i was like a really uh violent drunk um and obviously i'm five three so i wasn't yeah i wasn't exactly a formidable how um, long had the drinking been an issue um, like when when if you look back at your inventory, uh-huh. when did you start? Yeah, I mean, right after my sister died was when it started to like escalate. At seventeen, yeah, it was like she she passed away, and then I, um, once I I mean I, I it, it's tricky because there's alcoholism in my family. 
So right when I started, I was trying to control it. Right? I was like trying. I, you I grew was up with alcoholism? People. Yeah. Yeah. Who? My mom. Oh. And she's she sober. sober. Long time. She, long time. Oh. And uh, never relapsed. Always been like consistently sober. But sober when you were a kid? Yeah. Oh, so you didn't know you didn't know her as a drinker? No, I did. But I was in eighth grade. She got into a DUI accident driving me to school or to uh, ballet class. Did anyone get hurt? Mm, she hurt her ankle, oh, but okay. like nobody got really hurt. But she was drunk. She was drunk. Okay. And uh, she was falling asleep at the wheel. And I remember very vividly asking her if she. I remember thinking yeah. it was because she had too many kids. <laughs> Are you tired of having kids? I literally was like, do you need me to drive? Yeah. Like, I asked her if she needed me to drive because I just thought, God, I'd never seen anybody blackout so drunk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she, she is really pushing it. Yeah. And uh, she's got to stop with all these kids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> They're exhausting her. She's yeah. I was like, sleep at the wheel. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. She can't even take me to ballet. Yeah. And um, and so she got in that accident and got hauled off in a in a cop car that night and went to jail oh. and uh, got sober like right after What that. happened to you? Did they call your dad or? No, I went home in a cop car <laughs> in my leotard. fucking humiliating never got to never got to class huh yeah just <laughs> in my fucking ballet slippers and my uh, leotard uh, and my dumb that's where it happened top bun. that was the moment yeah climbing out of the squad car in your leotard <laughs> that's where it all went bad for you i was like god damn <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to spin yeah you know i i think uh i think that ultimately though it got really bad when um when I went to college after my sister died and I... But what was the process of, like, was there... How did the family grieve this situation? Did anyone step in? Did you see counselors? Did you do anything? I mean, it's so fucking... I it, mean... It's so awful. It's so profoundly awful. I mean, how the, how the twin turn out? She went to... She finished high school in rehab. <laughs> oh, really? Um, but she also was... She struggled as a kid, you know? Yeah. And um, even... Before her sister passed away, like she was, she was a lot like me yeah. in that she didn't, she didn't fit in, and yeah. so people thought something, sh people kind of deemed her a problem. Yeah, and uh, I'm so close with her. She's yeah. like my favorite person um, in my family. She's the funniest person, hands down, without ever trying you're, you're, to be. Your little sister. Yeah, she'll like come up to me and um, she'll throw a leg up yeah. on the. I remember one time she threw a leg up on the kitchen table while yeah. I'm eating and she asked me if a mole was problematic, but she, no underwear, just full twat. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like in my cereal, in yeah. my cereal, just <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And to this day, she like has no boundaries like yeah, that. Yeah. And she doesn't, she's not trying to freak you out. She's not trying to, she just doesn't think about that shit. She's earnestly asking you and like, I'm like, put some fucking underwear on. I'm like, you're like a person who was raised in the woods. Yeah, yeah. And then I think about it, and I'm like, oh, she kind of was. Yeah. Because she was sent to the woods. She was sent to so many, like, woodland programs <laughs> to, like, get her shit together. <laughs> and I'm like, she is a wolf woman, you know? Where did, how'd she end up? Is she all right? She's great. She's is she? Uh, she is- yeah, uh, I mean, what's she do? She's a musician oh, okay. and um, and a photographer. She's very talented. Oh, that's she great. lives in Chicago. All right. Um, her name's Jackie Baker. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's like, she's just my favorite person. She's like so earnest, that's you nice. know, and she struggles, but she's always like, 
Um, and when she does, I we have a little bit of a complicated relationship because she's, you know, I don't want to get too into yeah. her personal yeah, life, yeah, but course. like, but she knows that I'm like always in her corner. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like right, I will sure. always like. Yeah. Well, that's um, good. Yeah. And uh, but but what was the the grieving situation? I mean, like if if you turn to to the drink hard. I mean, like, because grief is, like, tricky, man, and I have to assume from the sound of your family that it got shut down pretty quickly. Exactly, yeah. It was like, you can't put grief in the middle of a country club, you know? <laughs> it doesn't belong there. Yeah. So you uh, you learn to shut it down, to kind of, like, deal with it um, in whatever way you know how. For me, it was, like, running. I just ran from it. I would like literally uh, running, like chasing like excitement and oh, fun and oh, joy, right. okay, and just good times, right, 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 so that I wouldn't have to think about that. The aggressive good times, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like let's fucking party, yeah, yeah you know. I right. remember, and it was psychotic the way that I did. I would yeah. like strap on some fucking uh, like roller skates and like get on the subway and bar hop yeah. from like just. Just, oh, so you made a spectacle of yourself as well. Yeah. Oh, no, I loved it. Uh, yeah. I, wa- I wanted to <laughs> threaten my own life. Mm. Um, and it, more broadly, I was just saying, I don't care. Let it all, like, burn it all down, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't. Did you ever, like, well, obviously no. I mean, but did you ever, like, through therapy or other ways, you know, were you able to uh, experience the grief? Um. Like, did you ever eventually. do any trauma stuff? Yeah, eventually I did. You did. Uh, but that was like six years after I got clean. No, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have therapists that still think I have four sisters. Like, I... Just lie? Yeah, I would just lie. Oh. I would just go in and lie and just be like, I'm not... I, would, I was always going to therapy for someone else because people were begging me to, like, go to therapy. But as you get older, you start... Do, do you have a different relationship with it or you don't do it? I love it now. Oh, you do? I love it. So by the time you got to New York, you were well on your way through college yeah. to drinking. Yeah. But then, you know, what what escalated it? I think it was... When you got to New York. What, what was that boyfriend like? Um, he was a real caretaker. Oh, so you got... That was a good one. Yeah. He was like my nurse. Oh, okay. And uh, he... He took, he took good care of me or, or tried to, even yeah. though I was like a nightmare. Yeah. And um, what was the question? <laughs> what, what, what sort of escalate, what, you know, what escalated it in New York? I think in New York, it was just the fact that I didn't have any, like, there was no real structure to my life. Well, and New yeah. York is such a fucking yeah. playground. Yeah, at that time. I don't for know. For your demons. It's when like, was that? that was in 2006 that I moved to New York. Mm. Yeah. And it was, we lived in Greenpoint yeah. on the, uh, on India and McGinnis. It was like right next to this trailer that's like still there. Yeah. It just said ass or grass, no one rides for free, but it was written like a, somebody wrote that with a knife in the yeah. side of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I a bumper yeah, sticker. Right. Um, anyway, it was, and it was just a very industrial part of Brooklyn. There was no grass. There was no. So, right. And you're just untethered. You, you don't have to go to college. You don't, you know, you're there completely to do untethered. Whatever. And I had gone there because, well, I wasn't working. I had gone there because I, after college, I went to Europe with my sister. Which one? 
Hallie. She's a nurse now, okay, yeah. um, ironically. Yeah, and uh, about her yeah, special, yeah. Yeah, and she, uh, she planned this whole trip, right? Yeah. And we went, and uh, my passport got stolen on the trip. I was drunk. I was blacked out. Somebody took my passport, my purse, everything. And I- That's when you call your grandfather. Yes. <laughs> that is the one time I have called- I have gone in and gone, do you know who my grandfather is? And not genuinely been asking, like, who is he? (laughs) Um, But this was, they got me a passport in an hour. And my sister was like, you know, you're like a fucking mess. And I can't do this anymore. Uh And I'm just going. She just left. (laughs) You in Europe. And I went, cool, fine. And then I just stayed in Europe. And I don't know where I went. Like, Mm -hmm. to this day... I don't recall the places that I went to. It was truly like a, I don't know how long I was there. I don't know. I I was just blacked out in different countries. Yeah. And I would have to like check my passport from back then to know. Didn't you end up in bad situations? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very bad situations. Um, Situations like falling asleep on a military training ground um next to like bullet like shells um shotgun shells and not knowing how you got there not knowing how i got there for some reason having i remember burying my belongings at the bottom of that mountain yeah (laughs) like my cds and like nice italian shoes that i'd bought you had a reason i imagine i'm sure i had some sort of logic where i was like i can't let people take these cds if i fall asleep up there right so i'm going to make sure that i keep my most valuable things in the hole in this hole yeah (laughs) (laughs) like hitchhiking on the side of the road um cutting my hair with a knife like my hair was cut with knives how did you not get like you know raped and murdered i don't know i mean honestly i could have been i don't well, you didn't i don't have the pro i right. don't have the time yeah, yeah and i don't have the energy yeah. to find out if that happened yeah there's yeah. like sometimes you just don't have time yeah. to figure out if you were raped sure and uh most women kind of know what i'm talking about like yeah. you go in for a massage and you're like was that okay yeah. and you're like i have shit to do <laughs> anyway so I, my sister. Is that part of it? That doesn't seem part of it. <laughs> my sister, like, passed me. She would, like, send me money at Western Unions. And then at a certain point, they were like, we're going to stop sending you money. And I was like, okay, fine. They go, you got to come back. You got to go to rehab. I was like, I'll book the ticket. So just send me enough money to book the ticket and I'll come home. Yeah. But I was dating this guy off and on in New York. And he lived in Greenpoint with his metal band. And I uh, I said to myself, what I'll do is I'll leave most of my belongings here. Yeah. I'll take my stuff on the plane. It'll I'll book something that stops in JFK and I'll get off and I'll just go to his place. Mm. And so that's what I did. And then he promised my family that he would take care of me and make sure that I went to like group therapy. Group therapy? Mm-hmm. The fuck is that? nonsense oh i don't even know what that means i went to a group therapy for women with an eating disorder it uh, wasn't even like a i didn't even focus on the real how'd you problem. find that i just looked it up did you have an therapies. eating disorder 
uh, yeah, kind of. I was like, it's an, I have enough of one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, it's I can like, keep drinking. Yeah, I'm like, this is a half truth, yeah. but it's still, right. it's as honest as I'm willing to get. It, it, it looks proactive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I did that and I just like sort of sat there and did these like group therapy sessions, but was drinking more than I'd ever drank. And it was really ramping up and escalating. And all of the damage that I was causing around me was... Um, it was quick, you know, oh, you couldn't avoid it. Like what? Just mostly like I was a heartbreaking person to be around. I was really cruel to people around me. Yeah. You seem a little I hard. Would, I would fight them. I remember, no, I remember when we worked together, I'm like, she's really funny, but she seems hard. Yeah. I think that it's something that people assume about me, but I, I think I also carefully crafted that on yeah. some level and yeah. I'm trying to get a lot better about it because the truth is I'm like insanely sensitive, you know? Right. So, right. So you, pre- you're preemptively mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, nobody's going to hurt me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's that. And, yeah. uh, and I, I just really lashed out at people. I was really angry, really, yeah. really angry. And, um, were you able to track that, trace it? What do you think it had to do with your sister and your it was, family? It was about my sister. Yeah. It was about my parents. Yeah. Um, it was about the the world, how like everything can change yeah. so quickly without yeah. you being prepared for it or knowing anything. Yeah, no, it was, you had no control. Yeah. And then being, you know, going off to college and yeah. just being like, deal with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I like had no, I had no way of dealing with what I'd gone through and no one was telling me like, you just went through a really, really traumatic thing. You should be spending, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure like my mom tried to get me to go to therapy, but she was also like dealing with a divorce and the death of her daughter and all of her and the daughters that were still under her roof. And I was just and anything that she told me to do, I would have been like, fuck off. Yeah. So I just dealt with it. It was like putting a bandaid on a broken arm and just getting back out there. Yeah. And that was like that was, it, huh? that was it. So what got you, what landed you in rehab finally? Um, I never went to rehab. You actually, just, you just went to what? Did you I, do, do the thing. I just i I drove everyone away yeah. to the point that there was no one else to blame but myself. Mm-hmm. And I was alone. And I remember looking around at like my life and yeah. being like, "There's no one here that I can point this to." Yeah. Except for me. Yeah. And I, I started uh, doing 12-step groups. I started doing meetings and oh, stuff. And, and that's how I got clean. Oh, that's good. You just did that on your own? I did. Yeah. Wow. In New York. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. So, and then you stayed, you've stayed straight with it? Yeah. All this time? Yeah. yeah. Are you still in? Or do you still go? or you? Um, I still go. Yeah. yeah I do. I mean, it's over Zoom now, pretty much. So You live in New York? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, when does it go back to, when do you get to go back? I mean, people are still doing in-person meetings now, or they, they are, they just started to oh. um, a couple months ago, but I still just do the Zoom because I'm like, I had completely fallen off of them. And then when the pandemic hit, I got back into it because I was like- Losing it? Well, I just was like, now is a good time. Yeah, you want to talk to somebody? Yeah. Nice to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now's a good time to like, I have the time to focus on inner health. Mm. 
and I might as well do that. And uh, I, a lot of changes were happening. I was falling in love. I was getting engaged. And I was yeah. like, I want to walk into this consciously yeah. and not be just doing Another something. Another thing. Yeah. To avoid the thing. Right. So so you got sober in 2007, 8? 2007, yeah. Yeah. And when do you start doing comedy? I started doing comedy in 2013. The oh. first open mic I did was 2013. So you're still kicking around as the actress was still the dream when no. you got sober? Or no, you, at that point I, I had just like, I kind of gave up on acting. I was just like, I don't really want to do this anymore. And um, Did you start acting out in other ways after you got rid of the booze? Mm, yeah. For sure, because like when I got sober, I like I immediately got involved with somebody that turned into it just turned into a terrible, terrible thing. Oh yeah, no relationships were my number one thing that I did. Yeah. I would get involved with people that didn't want to be involved with me, and then I would they either didn't want to be involved with me at all, yeah. or they were depending on me in the same way that I depended on the guy who was my nurse. Right, the you metal know? band guy. Yeah. Well, who's the one that you talk about in the special? That sounded terrible. That was bad. Yeah, that was, and that uh, was sober. Yeah, you did that sober. Yes, um, I did that sober, and I, but I was still very, very sick in a lot of ways. I thought this guy clearly is bad news. I remember going to therapy and being like, I just he had relapsed. He was. You met him in the rooms. No, I met him actually through acting. Okay. He was an actor. Yeah. And he had told me that he was yeah. sober. Right. And then I learned a couple months later that he was not really sober. He was like dry. Yeah. Uh. And he was he was just abstaining for mm. the moment and was eventually going to uh, relapse. And yeah. he did. And yeah. I didn't realize I had never seen alcoholism like that. I had never seen it like that. Like what? Where you see somebody having seizures um oh, so you know withdrawing that quickly yeah he got, i mean with drinking like a quarter gallon a day he would go deal. a week and then he would seize if he if he tried to stop i mean it was like and every single time he, he was relapsed. You drinking just like a gallon of hard liquor a yeah. day oh, yeah 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 like like leaving las vegas drinking really like yeah. that yeah i'd never seen it um uh, and i that was the first time i realized oh this is like a real disease this yeah. is a, i never I understood that concept, but I didn't. I hadn't experienced it. Well, what, was your, what was your place in that? Why didn't you just get out? I thought, in my mind at the time, which is this is also, I think, a symptom of uh, the disease of alcoholism, is there's denial all around you. Yeah. There's people all around you that think that they can help or that they can. And I was one of those people. Even having suffered from alcoholism myself, knowing how it worked, I thought... If I love him enough. Wow. Yeah. You got introduced to your codependency. Right. I thought if I just show him how much I love him and I devote my entire life to, to this guy, he's going to get sober and we're going to be fine. And it was all about, I think, underneath it all was just like he was so close to dying every time he drank that I got to relive that experience of not being able to save my sister. So every time he survived another relapse, I got to be, I, he would call me a hero, his family would call me an angel, and I was getting all of this like 
it's all very self-centered, even though it looks on the outside like selflessness. Right. It's yeah. very self-centered. And, and also, like, that makes sense, the, the sort of, like, loss thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, but I, when I, I got introduced to my codependency, like, you know, seven, eight years ago. I mean, I was sober a long time, 12 years or whatever. Yeah. And, and I got into a thing with a woman who I just, I couldn't see the reality of it. And I just thought I could help her. But I'll tell you, when I stopped liking that, when I, when I woke up, I woke the fuck up. Same. It happens like that. Yeah, and you're like, I am done. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was that it was that night that we we'd gotten in a fight and I had uh I was running away from him. I tried to slam a door. Yeah. Right? To like close the door yeah. before he was chasing after yeah. me. His hand got stuck in the door. Yeah. He came through, just whacked me, and I fell to the floor and I um I remember it was like New Year's Eve yeah. of 2012. Yeah. Or 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 2011. And um, I woke up like I just I, I remember him being like covering the door so that I couldn't leave. Right. That was the first thing that he did after he hit me was to hot to, was to get in front of the front door. And so I immediately was like, oh, this is like he doesn't care at all about any anything and i of course there were so many signs that that was obvious before but it was yeah. like that was the thing that yeah. made me see it the violence yeah yeah and um i just decided and it wasn't the first time it had happened but it was the first time it had really hurt mm. and i thought okay well what were you able to do just so you, in previous times you're like well he was just drunk kind of thing in previous times i would find a way to blame myself i would ah. find a way to to go well you know, I got in his face or I did this or I like, Oh man. there's always something where I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't an angel, you know, yeah. and which I wasn't, but still it was like, you, yeah, you don't, if, you, you don't have to like, yeah, hit. but I didn't get it. You know, I really well, but didn't. But it's what's sad is that like, that is the script of all of them. Yeah. Of all domestic abuse. Yeah. They find you. Right. Turn you out. Right. Without, you know, not even knowing. It's just a dynamic that occurs. Yeah. And then you live in it. Yeah. Until you get really hurt or get out. Right. And it was, I think to me, I still to this day am really grateful that I had that experience because I would, it would have taken, I don't know how much longer for me to fully heal because all of that was so wrapped up in the trauma of my graduation my high school graduation and all the events surrounding that that i just i don't think i would have dealt with it you know i had to deal with those things in order to deal with this because i had a therapist who was like it's not about him Mm. this is has nothing to do with him and all my focus was on him and the relationship and what was happening there and he was like this isn't about him this is about you Mm. like wanting to be a martyr or a hero and um and your guilt your mm, toxic yeah. levels of guilt wow so so that so that became the key to doing that work yeah mm, and yeah. comedy yeah and then comedy really just comedy just happened cuz i was like i don't have anything else i want to do right now and this just seems like a fun idea and then you started in New York? I started in New York. Where? 
at a Metropolitan Room open mic. I don't know. It was like this like yeah. random little open yeah. mic on 23rd yeah. around there. Yeah. Um, and they would just have these little, it was like six or seven people. Yeah. It was tiny. Right. It was a tiny open mic, lights on everyone. Yeah. You could see everybody's face. Yeah. You knew exactly <laughs> how they felt. Yeah. About your jokes. Yeah. And I remember got, getting a laugh and thinking, huh, that was fun. Yeah, right. And then just being like, I'm going to go back and do that again Yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And then being like, I'm going to do that again to the next day. And then kind of picking up on the, the whole narrative of if, the New York narrative of like, if you really want to do this, you should do it every night. And so right. I, I thought, oh, then I'll just do that. Huh. And it was never like, I'm going to create a life out of comedy. I just really had a lot to talk about. Yeah. I just had a lot to say. Right. And I'd been through a lot and a lot of healing and a lot of pain all at the same time. And I had no pride left. And I thought, well, this this is kind of perfect if you don't have sure. any pride. Yeah, yeah. You can just go up there and, uh, you know, uh, like there is, but there is something cathartic about forcing yourself to frame things comedically yeah you, you know like like if you have the compulsion to put yourself in in situations that compromise you mm -hmm. and also you have a sort of a, a slight shame addiction it's it's perfect <laughs> yeah i mean it felt to me like really redemptive yeah because you can win in a moment yeah yeah and i just thought every time i do this it feels better yeah and when it feels bad i'm used to that yeah. So who cares? But it's also but it's also manageable because yeah. if it feels bad, you still have control over that with stand up. Yeah. It's like uh, Harry Shearer said, the reason people try to to do comedy is so that you have control over why people laugh at you. Right. Right. So even when it's going bad, as awful as it feels, the context is pretty limited. Yeah. You know, th this is happening now. I'm failing. Yeah. And and I and it's 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 here. Yeah. And it, I'll get through it. And and it's kind of this beautiful thing where you terrible, you though, have to keep I mean I I'm in a place today yeah. where I feel like it's just great. When but you, the, when, but when I got to tell you uncomfortable? Yeah, I mean yeah. the the whole like me not having any pride like most of the pride that I have today yeah is around comedy. And it's like I gross myself out sometimes with the... What you say. No, I mean, well, not really. <laughs> but I do gross other people out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there's times where I walk off stage because I'm a dark comic and I yeah. go, did I just take comedy from them? Yeah. Did I just sure. take it out of the room? Yeah. yeah, what did I just do to those people? What the fuck did I just do? What did I make them pay for? Yeah. Yeah. And, and how masturbatory am I and how... I fucking hate myself after a set that doesn't go well because it's like yeah. you just went in and told them sad stories. <laughs> you yeah. dumb bitch. I, I, I literally like just. It's a fine line between sadness and funny. Yeah. Sad. I believe me. I, I def like I definitely. Yeah, you that. get it. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those guys where. Well, I remember years ago and I, I was doing comedy when I was starting out in Boston and some guy, I don't remember, he was a journalist of some kind, literally came up to me after a set and just looked at me, you know, very earnestly said, why comedy? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most hurtful thing you can the, say. The best. That is so... <laughs> but he was, he was right. I'm like, I, I couldn't answer it. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know sometimes what I'm doing up there. And now, like, I'm working out a new hour. And I don't know, you know, some of it's heavy, man. And Yeah. And I... 
I have become very sensitive to the quality of, of laughter. Mm-hmm. Like I know what laughter that sad is. Yeah. And I know what, you know, just relief laughter is yeah. and what entertain laughter is. But you do kind of go after that laughter that could be crying. Yeah. Like that that kind of like weird like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like yes. that's satisfying, but I'm not sure it's a great experience for the audience, but uh, you know, okay. Here's how I think of I it. I think there's so much um it's I think it's very easy to be entertaining. As a not not that it's easy to entertain, yeah. the act of entertaining is not easy. Yeah. But I think it's easy to exist as an entertainer. Yeah. Easier. Yeah, I don't know how to do it, though. I mean, I think maybe you're right, and it seems that way, but I, I, it's not like I've tried it, and I'm, it's not for me. Yeah. Like, I don't really... I mean, I know how to be entertaining in, in, in a moment impulsively. I can... You know, do voices and right. you know jump around, and I've done it uh, in bits and stuff. Yeah, but it's not my first intention. Right, you know, like let me take you away from everything. I'm here to entertain yeah. you. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, we got to work through some stuff. <laughs> you know? God, I'm glad you guys are here. Yeah, you yeah. Know, maybe I I don't have to yeah. drag people through my problems. Right, you know. I mean, I never felt like I got into comedy when I was 28. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I was like, and I'd been through a lot already. Yeah. And I just, I already had shit to talk about. Yeah. And I also was not interested in wasting any fucking time. Like I was like, if if I'm getting serious about this and I'm slowly starting to, when I make what, the decision now? to, no, I mean, well, yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. But when I realized, oh, this might, there, there might be a path here for me that isn't just like yeah. a way to escape my day to day. And your husband's a comic? Yeah. And you guys, what, were locked down together? Is that how it worked? Yeah. Well, I mean, you we were, were boyfriend, dating. You were dating, and then lockdown happened, and then it got, it added, like, you you had a three-year thing in a year kind of thing? Kind of, but yeah. we were, we're two sober addicts, so we, okay. like, move quicker than lesbians. Right. We're just like, sure. let's yeah. move in together, let's right. get married. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He had been sober about six years, I'd, I'd been sober about 12, mm. and, um... So I am better than him. Sure, and, of uh, <laughs> and winning. <laughs> and we just, I also just knew when I met him, I was like, this guy is a guy that I can, whatever's going to come up, yeah. we can work through it. Right. You had the language. He didn't seem perfect. Yeah. At all. Yeah. He wasn't um, my type. Mm. There was no, I didn't even want to like him. To be honest. That sounds like a, a relationship made in heaven. Sounds perfect. And I just, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is it for me. I don't yeah. want to like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't, he's not, he's so what goofy, happened yeah. you know? And, and then we, every time we hung out, I was like, I just, I want to be around him. I feel good around yeah, him. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. feel so happy. Yeah. And so silly. Yeah. And he brings out this like goofy side yeah, of me, but I can yeah. still be as, uh, as sinister as I as I truly yeah. right. feel um, yeah. sometimes. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just never felt that kind of freedom to be myself. That's really oh, what, that's it, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what it came down to. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So this special is the first special? This is the first special, yeah. Whiskey Fists. Whiskey Fists. So are you like, do you have to retire this hour now or are you touring on it? Um, I don't know. I never know what to do. I always go with these sort of like, well, it's on TV, it's over. I Listen, I... I struggle with that because I'm like half the stuff, the the demand 
for content now, yeah. which is what they call jokes. They call it content. Everything's content. Um, yeah. We, they, everybody's on to you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah go right. ahead. Right. They all know so much about- You and think it's like, they do, but sometimes- They yeah. act like they do. Yeah. And they, I mean, I have people like DM me when I'm mentioned on another podcast and yeah. I'm like, this is gross. Like, I, I, of course I want to hear it, but <laughs> yeah. but like, it's this weird thing where they're so inside the world yeah, yeah, yeah. of- I know audience members now go like, good set. I'm yeah. Like, Where'd you learn the language? I'm like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. It's this kind of <laughs> like, um, you know, there's a demand to do an hour every year or whatever. And it's like, that's a demand for comics that are more skilled than I am. Like, I have to keep remembering, like, I've been yeah. doing this for 10 years, almost. And this is the one. This one took you 10 years. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, years, like, it's not quite right. I mean, you know, you, you, you build at your own pace. But even for, for me... Well, I don't know. I'm jamming through this one because I, I, I was out for a There's year There's a half. lot. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, but I never know where it comes from. And I, I don't think it's a matter of where you are as a comic. It's just it's finding the freedom to talk. That's right. It. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, it, I know people say every year, but if it seems like you've got it for real, the comedy bug. So you'll you'll do it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't know how or where or when. Or, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. But you will need to do new material because you'll just hate the shit you're doing. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I right now, even as I'm on stage, like yeah. and during the pandemic, even yeah. I would be like touring the hour yeah. and I would be in the middle of a fucking horror show of a like pandemic audience. Yeah. Outdoors. Indoors, yeah. they, it was all like Midwestern places. You know, people that were like, "Oh, I've never heard of COVID. I don't yeah, know what that is." Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I would be having a full existential. Did you get it? Uh, yeah, I did get it. Yeah, I got it after the special. I got it after my vaccines. Oh, really? Yeah. How I long got did a that breakthrough last? case? Um, like now, a now day. You, now you're supposed to tell me. Like, I I just found out yesterday. No, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just earlier today oh, yeah, um yeah. <laughs> no like it, it lasted like uh a day uh-huh. and i just thought that it was the i thought it was the side effects from mm-hmm. the i was like these people are fucking lying about these side effects these are killer yeah these yeah. are fucking bad yeah and then i found out i had covid oh wow and i was huh. like oh i had covid in my system with no symptoms and then i got the vaccine and boom huh everything sort of ramped up and then died off. And I was with my husband. We were doing comics, Mohegan Sun. And uh, I know that place. I, I looked at him and I told him when we got back that I had COVID. And he goes, that's weird. We like made out and like th- there's no. Well, he was vaxxed too? He was vaxxed too and he never got it. Mm. So. That's nice. Well, it also, yeah, good. Like, it's good he didn't get it. And it's good that the vaccine works. And sorry for your luck. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry for your luck is great. So, all right. So when do you go back to New York? I go back on the 18th oh, of wait, this month. And tomorrow I'm going days. to the, um, tomorrow's the 15th. Yeah. So that's my wedding anniversary. And yeah. I will be spending it opening for Michael Che at uh, his special taping. Where's that? That's at the Fox Theater. In San Francisco? Francis- no, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've played that place. That'll be fun. You can't call Oakland San Francisco. No, you can't. Flip out. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. I like that guy. I've yeah. never interviewed him. He's never out here. He's so fucking, he's literally one of my favorite people. Yeah. Um, and he would hate to hear that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's uh, 
I he kind of reminds me of Norm a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. He's like that. Uh, whatever your expectations of him are. Yeah. He's not going to like that you have those. Yeah, and it's, he's going to surprise you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was good talking to you. Great talking to you, too. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me. That's it. There you go. Satan's granddaughter, Rosebud Baker, uh, Comedy Central stand-up special, Whiskey Fists, can be seen in full on Comedy Central's YouTube channel. The podcasts that she hosts, Devil's Advocate and Find Your Beach. Oh, my God, I'm sore. Let me try to wrap my fingers around my new guitar. My shoulders hurt. I need a nap. Fuck, man. I got this soreness on my side. 58. It's happening, people. It's happening. Just remember, we all get sloppy in the end. Fonda, cat angels everywhere. Yeah.